we really are on this mission together uh, to explore the true treasure of God in all of our lives, what that true treasure looks like, the true treasure of church, the true treasure of friendship, the true treasure of marriage. And all of that has to be born from a foundational understanding of the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord postures us in a place. Tracy and I, this morning, um, I just talked with her. She came in, and I was praying and reading, and, um, and I said, you know, I'm so thankful that we're not just both devoted to the things of God, but we're devoted passionately to the same thing about the things of God and what we're sensing and seeing together. I mean, we're just so in sync. And, um, and I, just, I just began to pray, Lord, give us all that sense of very specifically what you have in mind. There's something so beautiful about how we as a family come together and chase after that which God is revealing that causes us to all kind of go toward him and then we get really unified and connected in that journey. It's not about trying to be unified and connected. It's about trying to just chase after the things of God and that brings us into that uh, focus. If I were to stand over here and just say, everybody stand to your feet and walk toward me, we would all get unified and co- you know, connected together. And so may we just chase after the purposes of God. And in this particular mission, what we're finding is Isaiah 33, 6 clearly tells in Scripture that the fear of the Lord is the key to the treasure of the Lord, or the fear of God is the key to the treasure of God. And so that key unlocks the treasure in so many respects in our lives. Uh, and we've defined this as the, the fear of the Lord for us to all understand. It is the awe-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our Creator God. It's when our hearts begin to be overwhelmed by just how majestic this eternal God who created all the galaxies that are beyond our wildest imagination actually has an interest in you and an interest in me. That is... Uh, awesome. How many of you would agree? And so, so many times we overlook and undervalue the things that matter the most, and we want to just pause in this brief season together of really getting a better sense of the fear of the Lord. Uh, Unhealthy experiences with earthly authority can taint our understanding of the authority of God or the fear of the Lord. And, and it will many times cause us to have a perspective that, that God needs to internalize and adjust and recalibrate so that we're seeing and sensing and knowing what it is God's desiring to reveal. So I want to talk through a few of those things that will help us understand that today as we're talking about this topic. It's, again, just not a real common topic in, in our modern-day Christian world. Um, and, and I even have had some conversations and interactions with a few people that have... Um, it's just not comfortable to talk about the fear of the Lord in some respects because we feel like, you know, are we supposed to fear him? Are we, I mean, is that really the, the truth? And, and some people try to water this down and they try and make it more of, well, it's really just a reverence. And, and I want you to know it's not just a reverence. It is the fear of eternal God. It is understanding something. It is a delight, but it is definitely truly what it says it is, the fear of this living God. And, and we need to have this level of respect that keeps us from just casually strolling into his presence as if he's not a God who should be feared. Yes, Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb riding on a donkey. And I'm so thankful. 
in all complete and total humility and availability to be used by God as a sacrifice for us. He rode as a sacrificial lamb on a donkey into Jerusalem. But he's returning as a conquering king and he's riding a horse when he comes back and there is war that takes place. I mean, you understand there are, there are some elements and components of God that we're not necessarily really comfortable with because we've perhaps been lulled into just an understanding of love and grace. And love and grace is a very important part of who God is, but let's not lose sight of the fact that he truly is God and, and deserves our utter and utmost fear, reverence, and respect as we seek to know him as our heavenly father. We do come into his throne room boldly and with great confidence because of the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful? Can we just pause for a moment and truly give an applause and declaration and celebration of the blood of Jesus from the bottom of our hearts, the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ who made the way for us to be embraced by our Abba Father, who is the God of the universe. And all of those components need to come together in order for us to see this correctly. So I want to give you a verse of scripture that I've heard misquoted often. Perhaps you've heard it misquoted often. I actually studied it out to see there are two translations of scripture that are very loose translations. They misquote this verse as well. Uh, most of them, almost all of them get it right. But there's a word that's added that's not actually in the Greek language in some instances. And a lot of people do it just in, in kind of their own, you know, synopsis of the verse. It's 1 John 4.18. And it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And what happens, many times people add the word all. Perfect love drives out all fear. But I, I want you to understand for the sake of clarity with what we're talking about, perfect love does not drive out all fear. All is not in the verse. Perfect love doesn't drive out the fear of God, but it drives out all lesser fears. So what I want to talk to you about today is greater fear. The greater fear of God actually, when it is in place, drives out all the lesser fears that exist in our lives. And so we'll understand it as we kind of get a picture of it, but the first thing I want you to do is just, I want you to use your imagination. Um, I want you to think about that crazy friend that you have, like the friend that uh, when, when you get with this friend, you do things you wouldn't normally do. How many of you have that type of friend? Can you just, you, got, you can think of that person in mind. When I get around that person, we kind of get, you know, it takes me out of the parameters of, of normalcy for me and for my life. And so I want you to imagine you're with this friend of yours that you're envisioning, and the two of you are on this walk just out, kind of enjoying the countryside on a walk, and you're, you found some train tracks, and you're walking on these train tracks, and you come to a bridge that a train goes over. You've seen those bridges, just big skeletal wood structure with train tracks going over a body of water that's down there. And you and your friend decide you're going to walk across this bridge, which is a great idea because, I mean, after all, there's some adventure in all of this. You're a little nervous because it's kind of high above the water, but you're being careful and you're walking. And your friend, halfway across the bridge, right in the very middle, decides, hey, it would be fun if we jumped off this bridge into the water. And so you're thinking you're crazy, and they act like they're going to throw you in, and you don't, you don't, you know, they don't do it. They just mess with you. But then they actually jump off the bridge, and they go down 20, 30 feet and hit the water below. And then they, they come up out of the water, and what do they say? Come on in, the water's great. And you're thinking to yourself, I want to jump in, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the height, 
I'm afraid of what might be under the water. I mean, all these fears start emerging that keep you from jumping into that water until a train rounds the corner and starts coming across the bridge. And you realize, you're factoring in your mind, the train is coming at me. I'm in the middle of this bridge. Even if I could run as fast as I could possibly run, which I can't because I'm on train tracks, there's no way I would be able to outrun that train and get off this bridge before it gets. So what do you do? You just naturally jump off the bridge and you land in the water. See, nobody had to pray for you to have the courage to jump off the bridge. You didn't have to call the prayer team to you know, fast and pray and believe with you. You didn't have to get in a prayer line to jump off the bridge. The greater fear simply did its work in your life. This is hugely important. This is utterly significant for us to understand. The greater fear is the fear of the Lord. And when the fear of the Lord does its work in your life, then you stop fearing man living in a space of insecurity about what people around you might think or might do. Because really the only opinion that truly matters is the opinion of God, your heavenly Father. Easy to say that, but unless you are living with the greater fear, then you have actually been controlled by the lesser fear. And so God wants to awaken the greater fear of God so that the lesser fears are dealt with in our lives. And there are all kinds of lesser fears that try and hold us back. <coughs> there are lesser fears of, of failure. You know, I, I feel I might not make it. And, and if you feel like, if you sense God's giving you direction to do something, to accomplish something, then you do realize then if that clear is the direction you feel is of the Lord and you have a true healthy fear of the Lord, then the fear of failure is a lesser fear and the greater fear has its work and you go ahead and move forward in what God's called you to do. Maybe it's the fear of finances and a shaky economy. What are we going to do if the economy goes south? But if you know that the Lord your God is your source of provision, then the greater fear has its work and the lesser fear has no control in your life. There are some lesser fears that are being broken right now. Come on, let's all just agree in Jesus' mighty name as we hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands and a declaration. Lesser fears are being dealt with and broken in our lives. You know, we as a team have talked just a little bit. It's been a few years back now. We decided to move away from every week, you know, getting up and giving the offering pitch and passing the buckets and, and all that, what that looks like. And in doing so, in many respects, we've alleviated discipling and training on a level that maybe we need to enter into helping people understand the value of worshiping God with your increase. Because when you fear the Lord, then you recognize the increase came from him and you worship him with your tithes and with your offering because you fear him. But if you fear you won't have enough money, then you understand you let that fear take control of your life. But God has designed that we would actually break a spirit of materialism off of our lives by living in the fear of the Lord, which is an incredible freedom, because in that place, I don't know if you understand or not, but the world's economy has no voice in my life because God's voice is more powerful. I'm talking about a tremendous freedom, and, and let me just say, incredible for us to understand this, but you and I were never designed to live a life that we did not need the help of God to live. We were never designed to make it on our own. A lot of people have a faith in God. Not a lot of people live by faith in their relationship with Christ. 
Having a faith and living by faith are two different things. I want to say it again. You are never designed to live a life that you can live without the help of God. Sometimes you've got to be standing there at the bridge in, in different areas of your life, and you say, this is scary. I can't believe that I'm considering doing this right now. But the greater fear does its work, and the lesser fear goes away, and you take the plunge and step into the deeper purposes of God for your life. Amen, amen. Now let me just say, it's important to... Um, to address these issues, particularly in the time that we're in as a nation. I think it is incredible how some people feel so spiritually mature, yet they are so shallow when it comes to the issue of politics in the nation in which you and I live. Some people fear, what if we don't have the right person in office? Some people fear the political conclusions that are made around us as the driving concern that exists in their life. And I think it is really important that, I mean, I hate it that our nation is so divided. Would you agree? I hate it that our nation is so politically divided. I probably speak for everybody when I say, I wish everybody could just come on over to my side and we could be unified, right? I mean, it's just crazy when you look at this. But here's the thing that I want to challenge you to understand. You know that verse in the Bible, and it, it says that if we don't have the right person in office or the right party in power, then there's no hope for the land and everybody's just going to go to hell in a handbasket. You know that verse? No, you don't because it doesn't exist. Yet we act exactly like what I just said is the truth. We live almost in a sense of fear, and then we, almost, we justify and tie in our religious language to make it all sound really deep and phenomenal and spiritual, when the reality is what you and I need to understand. I hope you will hear this loud and clear, and I hope you'll allow this to begin to address some of the deeper issues that God wants to do in every one of our lives, but the people you and I admire the most in the Bible that were so powerful in Christ and in God in the course of time, they were normally not the people in power of earthly government. In fact, they were oppressed, they were enslaved, and in many instances, they were in bondage under these systems of Rome, of the Assyrians, of Egypt. I mean, just read your Bible, and let's take a look at what God has called us to do. There's always going to be persecution, there's always going to be affliction, there's always going to be oppression. Hear me loud and clear, there's always going to be oppression, but the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, the more we are oppressed, the more we multiply spread. Anybody sensing the fire and the power of God in the hour that we're living in in this land? Come on, we are not going to shrink back in this time. Use your voice. Vote your conviction. We have an obligation in this uh, democratic society in which you and I live. But do not think for a moment that even if we get the earthly government right according to your political views and opinions, that that's going to solve all the problems of the world. Because even if the earthly government gets right, the heavenly government out of sync with it simply will mean the earthly government will not last. So there is a heavenly government. Jesus has the government on his shoulders. The shoulders are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And there's a heavenly government that we're to carry. And so, yes, let your voice be heard by way of a vote. But let your voice be heard by way of 
prayer. If you use your voice to complain more than you use your voice to pray, then you're misappropriating the resource of your voice. I'm grinding a little bit of an ax, but it's pretty important that we understand this. And I, I want you to just understand a little bit out of the context of this text of Scripture I'm going to read. In Isaiah's day, Israel was incredibly divided, <coughs> and they were experiencing all-out war with the Assyrians. In fact, Uzziah uh, had reigned in 50, for 50 years of peace and now there was transition taking place. A new rule was being built, and they, they did not have the fear of the Lord in their mindset. And this is what Isaiah says, uh, what God says to Isaiah. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Well, that in and of itself would preach for about 45 minutes right now. Do not call conspiracy what everybody says is conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. In the midst of very real concerns of Isaiah's day, God tells Isaiah, do not fear what everybody else fears in society that you're living in, but rather fear God, because out of the fear of God will come the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God and the government of God is more powerful than the kingdoms of this earth and the government of this earth. The kingdom of God is more powerful than the kingdoms that can be established in this earth. The kingdom of God is more powerful. Yet for some reason, we're not aligning ourselves with understanding the value of priority of what God is trying to reveal. All of these things coming together in an appropriate context of our response to the Lord as citizens of, of this nation, it's significant, it's important. But, but let me just make sure everybody understands there's a difference between being a Christian American and being an American Christian. And your Christianity should always come first. Your citizenship is first in heaven because this land will pass. And because our citizenship is first in heaven, then we are citizens of the family of God and we should be unified together. We can have distinction without having division if we'll stop majoring on things that create division. The world is so divided, it needs a united church. And I want to encourage you, the Sunday night before the election, we're going to gather in this room and we are going to worship the King of Kings and lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to press in and we're going to let our voice be heard for a declaration of the kingdom of God. If you, this is a big statement, if you are constantly living in the wrong kind of fear, then the fear of God does not have a preeminent place in your heart. You know, the Bible actually says, evaluate yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Sometimes I think that we're not in the faith, we're just applying biblical principles to try and get our way. And then if we don't get our way, it's easy to be angry with God. And when we do that, we're really not standing in a posture of the fear of the Lord, asking him for his bigger, better plan than what we could ever comprehend. And in addition to all that, we live in a fallen world. And there are some things that are never going to make sense when you live in a fallen world. Do you understand? Just because you live in a fallen world and fallen circumstances happen in your life, things that should never have happened, 
That does not mean that God is not on the throne. I believe God rarely gets his way in the fallen world in which you and I live. It is not God's will that any should perish, but many do. How many of you know? And so what what that tells me is we live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen king, and I'll never abandon the things I know about God because of the things I don't understand in a fallen world. I want to embrace the love and the power and the grace and the strength of God as I fear him and walk in that sense of complete and uh, total availability to who he is. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm just breaking a spirit of fear right now in Jesus' mighty name. I just want to break that. You know, we address this up in, in many ways, and, and we wouldn't even necessarily always see it as a spirit of fear, but it's this sense of in uncertainty and insecurity in so many respects that exist within us that cause us not to really emerge and be everything God's called us to be. So I just break that now in the name of Jesus. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. Everybody say power. Love. Everybody declare it. Love. And a sound mind. Let's say it. A sound mind. The fear of God produces a sound mind. The fear of God produces a sound mind. If you live in the wrong kind of fear, then your mind is producing something other than an attitude of peace and rest. I just believe there are some busy minds right now that God's reaching into. I'm just going to ask Pat if you'll come up just... It's kind of like this in the first service too. Going along and just, you know, I guess preaching on the fear of the Lord is probably pretty important that we let him be really in charge. And I just felt like the Lord was creating a sense of awareness of cracks that might exist within us that we didn't even know existed prior to our coming together in, in this room. And just as Pat begins to play, I just want you to have a sense of what God's revealing there's something of just the, the essence of, you know, David played his instrument, and in doing so, tormenting spirits were chased away from Saul. So I just stand in agreement right now. I stand behind the declaration that I have made, and I say it again. I rebuke the spirit of fear, a spirit of uncertainty that would cause us to live in fearful uh, perspectives of our lives, insecurity that might exist that we don't even realize are issues of insecurity. I believe God wants to address the deeper areas of our lives right now. So Lord, we just invite you to have your way. We don't want to talk about your word and discuss your nature and your character as if you weren't right here in the room with us trying to reveal your word and reveal your nature and reveal your character. Lord, stir us, I pray, to the deeper things of God that we might have a greater understanding of what you long for us to embrace. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, why don't you just put your own hand on your heart. In all week, I just keep feeling an invitation from the Lord. It's just the most uh, remarkable thing, but 
I'll just be doing something completely disconnected from anything having to do with seemingly something spiritual and I'll suddenly just sense an invitation from the Lord to go deeper in that moment it's almost like he's just there saying uh, let's have a conversation and multiple times I've just kind of put my hand on my heart in the course of this week and I've just said Lord I want to respond to your invitation to the deeper things of God Lord, I pray that that would become our way of life. We just want to respond to the invitation of God that we might understand the deeper treasures of the Lord. The fear of God is the treasure, is the key to the treasure of God. So give us an availability. Help us to understand what that looks like in the course of walking through the week. May we long for our times of just getting up, turn the page, spend time in prayer. May we understand the heart of David where he would wake up in the watches of the night and find himself frustrated with the fact that it wasn't yet morning when he could get up and meet with God. When can I go and meet with God? He proclaims in your word. Give us that type of anticipation, Lord. Understanding what it is to really walk with you. In the name of Jesus. I want to give you one more idea. And Pat, just continue to play as I just talk through this. But out of Numbers chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, The people of Israel shall camp, each by its own standard, with the banners of their father's houses. They shall camp facing the tent of meeting on every side. It's a really interesting portion of Scripture where God is asking for every house, for every camp, to arrange their homes facing toward the tent of meeting. This is where the Shekinah glory would fall and remain visible for everybody to see. Now, you read sometimes in the book of Numbers, and it's a bunch of numbers. And you're like reading all these numbers, and you're not necessarily realizing God's revealing something profound and significant. But if you study this out, what you'll find is the tabernacle is here where God meets, comes to the earth and invades, which is speaking of who you and I are. One day we would become the temple, and we have, and we are. And so that's what all this pictures. And then it's like seemingly boring verses of Scripture. And it says, I want the three smallest tribes up here. They total about 120,000. I want the three largest tribes down here. They total about 180,000. And then I want the three medium tribes here and here, and they total about 150,000. And whenever the people of God would assemble according to the direction of the Lord, it looked something like this from God's aerial point of view. It was a revelation of the cross, a declaration prophetically that one day Jesus would come and that you and I would actually become the temple of the Lord. And it's really amazing when you start to, to see that and recognize what God's revealing in that. Uh, and I, I just want, I want to make sure we all understand our lives should always face an encounter with God. God's plan was for every tribe and every family to have their lives arranged in such a way that they faced the encounter with God. Our lives should always face an encounter with God. Everything in our lives should be arranged toward experiencing God. Everything in our lives should be arranged toward experiencing Him. Learning to live with this 
deep awareness of this unconquerable king and encountering him regularly will address some of the deepest insecurities that exist within our lives on the deepest level we could possibly imagine. Let me just reiterate, the fear of the Lord is the awe-filled awakening of the human heart to the overwhelming majesty of our creator, God. And I believe God wants to activate that and awaken that within us. That we would just allow him to deepen us in the way we walk with the Lord, in the way we spend time in devotions, in the way we treat each other with dignity and respect because we honor the Lord. He's not just my father, he's your father. How many know dads love it when their kids play nice together? That's the fear of the Lord activating something within us. Let all the earth, Psalms 33, 8, fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. So I want to just ask if you will do that. Let's all just stand in awe of him. I ask the worship team just to go ahead and come. We want to press in and just take a little bit of time of worship. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Lord, I pray that all the earth would fear the Lord. This is significant. This is important. This is a verse of Scripture that you purpose that we would celebrate in this season. Let there be an amazing revival that would take place in our nation and in the nations of the world, that people all over the planet, in all the nations of the world, they would fear God in a way that would cause them to come to a posture of of surrender and respect to you. Draw our attention, Lord, to you, we pray, all over the planet. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. You know, God's word has a powerful work in our lives. And I want to encourage you. Um, last night, Tracy and I just took some time and I just began to read these verses and we just kind of took some time just to pray into these verses. And, and it's all on the blog, all the verses. And I'm going to read through these verses and I want to just ask God to do something deep within us according to his word. But, but let me encourage you. We are people who bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society, on every level of community. And I would encourage you to invite somebody to a table this week. Your family, your friends, invite them to the table. And and if you look on our blog, you'll find the discussion questions for the week. You can have a little bit of time over that. If you're a community group, uh, you may attend a group and they, they discuss those questions. But rehearse these verses that are on there. And I want to just read them. Let's just allow the Lord to stir something in us. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward of humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Psalms 115, 13 to 14, he will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish. Are you ready for that? May the Lord cause you to flourish. I like this, both you and your children. The fear of the Lord will impact not only your heart and your life, but your legacy. We disagree over our sons and daughters, our natural sons and daughters, our spiritual sons and daughters. Lord, we stand in utter confidence in the truth of your word today that because our hearts are inclined before you in a place of complete and total posture of submission, 
The blessing of God abounds to the next generation as a result of our being the gates that allowed the King of glory to come in in Jesus' mighty name. Proverbs 14, 26 to 27 says, In the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence, and our children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 10, 27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. I can just read through these verses, but there's something we need to digest. Your life is being prolonged. Your health is being sustained. As you posture yourself in a place of the fear of the Lord, something happens within you in Jesus' mighty name. Proverbs 3, 7, 8, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Psalms 145, 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Lord, I thank you that as we learn to fear you, there's a connection that happens through our posture of surrender as we avail ourselves to what you've already revealed, that you love us. And our response to that then begins to determine your reach. Thank you, Lord, that you save us. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Acts 9, 31. So the church had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. And and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church began to multiply. In the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit in times of great persecution, the church began to multiply. In the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit in times of disappointment, the church began to multiply. In the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, in your moment of difficulty, God will enlarge and increase you in Jesus' mighty name. Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Lord, I thank you just for the reality of your life, the reality of your love, the reality of your eternal existence that is far beyond our wildest comprehension. You are the God who was who is and forever will be. Before any of us in this room were formed in the womb, you knew us and you purposed our existence. You factored in all of our mistakes before you ever gave us the call of God on our lives. You're amazing. We fear you today and we love you today. Lord, help us to understand how that all fits together, that our hearts would be full to overflowing, being postured properly and correctly before our heavenly Father, who is this mighty, amazing, and wonderful God. In Jesus' mighty name, in the mighty name of Jesus, Say, you know, I just acknowledge I have lacked 
fear of the Lord. And I just want God to download that. Help me to, to, to have that, possess that. Why don't you lift both your hands in this place of surrender? Greater fear will do its work, and lesser fears will have to go. Father, we just surrender to the fear of the Lord, a greater revelation of what this really means. In the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, the blessing of God will abound to our lives and to our children. Lord, help us to understand what that means. We surrender to you. Thank you that you love us, that you sent your son Jesus to redeem and rescue us. Jesus came, he lived, and he died. But he's risen from the grave. After he was crucified on that cross, he came out of the grave. Jesus, we acknowledge you are alive. You are the Savior of the world. We recognize that we need you, Lord, not only as our Savior, but as Lord of our lives, helping us to navigate through the deeper revelations of God in our everyday lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you agree, Jesus is Lord. Why don't you give him praise right now? We just give thanks to the Lord our God, to the faithfulness of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Come on, we want to press in and worship this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords. And I want to, I want to ask you, let's fulfill part of our congregational assignment. However you do this online, turn up the volume. Ask everybody to stand or whatever works for you. But come on, I just want, there are probably 10 minutes here. We're just going to press in. Let's take everything God is depositing within us. And let's bring it into this expression of a worshipful attitude to the Lord our God. Maybe you're here and you made a decision for the Lord today. Or you've got something that we can pray with you specifically about. Just to stand in agreement and declare breakthrough. I, I, I just want you to know I sense such a powerful moment of breakthrough that God has brought us to in our lives. Sometimes it's the prayer of agreement that brings that about. So our prayer team, they're going to make their way out the doors of the into the lobby right there. They're available as we just start pressing in and worship. If we can pray with you at all, then go and join our prayer team in the lobby. But come on, let's press in. Let's use the sound of our voice to bring a declaration of praise to this God of all gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus.